Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Maybe you'll wake up time we get out of here. Well, good to see you. Welcome to God's house. God been good to you this week? Wonderful. We uh, like that song. I asked him to sing that because uh, it goes along with what we're going to be talking about here in just a moment. But let me remind you, if you uh, got a uh, bulletin in the church bulletin, I want you to notice in February we have the Valentine's dinner coming up. So uh, married couples are welcome to sign up at the communication station. We're going to be having an Italian menu, and uh, I tell you, you're not going to be able to go get a meal for that price. It costs us 10 bucks a couple. There'll be some child care available, so uh, we'll just uh, come together and have a good time. So uh, be sure and sign up uh, all of our married couples in February for that. I think they've mentioned uh, the other things in the bulletin, so be mindful of that. How many know we got church tonight? Church tonight, 6.30, we like to come together in the prayer room for pre-service prayer around 6, so come and join us if you can. Amen. We'll look forward to worshiping the Lord in song and the word and prayer as well. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, musicians, I'm not going to sing, so uh, you can uh, you can come back later. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at two passages uh, this morning for a few minutes. Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, Paul wrote in verses 11 through 13 uh, something that I want us to kind of key off of uh, as we look at this. These, these Sundays throughout January, I guess you could probably call them vision Sundays. It's kind of uh, our vision as, a, uh, as the leadership of the church, and so we're just kind of laying out some things. Last, last Sunday, we talked about uh, affirming our commitment, renewing, refreshing our commitment to uh, assembling together and uh, being faithful to uh, join uh, others of like precious faith here at the local, uh, local assembly. How many know uh, the writer of Hebrews said to us in the last days, not to forsake ourselves uh, assembling together, uh, but he goes, on to say even so much the more as you see the days approaching. What days are approaching? Well, the end days. How many know we're in the end days? And, uh, and so um, I think it's, uh, it's, good. it's good for us to affirm some things here at the start of the year. And today we're talking about affirming Sunday school. And we've got, uh, we've got a big Sunday coming up. Maybe you'll hear more about that later, uh, but we're looking forward to it. So today we're going to be talking about affirming Sunday school. And, and really what is behind that is, is just affirming our commitment to God's word. And so uh, we're going to read, first of all, from Ephesians, and then we'll go to Matthew. Okay, so let's stand together if you have your Bibles, Matthew, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4, and let's get at 11 through 13. And he gave some apostles, he is the Lord, he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. Praise the Lord. How many know uh, we're to be growing in our commitment and in our lives uh, with Christ? Now, if you want to follow me over to Matthew. Hmm. We interrupt this church service. And we appreciate Ned keeping us informed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, goodness. So you want to be here uh, the 29th, that's for sure, during the Sunday school hour. Everybody say Sunday school hour. Okay, it's going to be a great, great time. Praise the Lord. Now, can I go on after that interruption here? All right. Let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 19. Let's read this together, shall we? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Everybody say amen. Praise God. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor as you... Uh, are seated and say, I love God's Word. I love God's Word. I hope you didn't lie just then. I hope you didn't lie. Praise the Lord. God bless you. <laughs> Praise God. I, uh, I don't know about you, but I've been... Uh, I've been fighting my own personal uh, battle of the bulge. Um, 
every year a lot of folks try to cut back with the sweets and uh, desserts and uh, starches and uh, I feel that I'm not the only one involved in in that uh, battle or struggle. I, uh, I realized a while back in the grocery store, it seems like they're stocking more and more uh, diet brands. Have you noticed that? Uh, they have a diet brand for just about everything, don't they? Uh, you walk down the aisles of your uh, store of choice, whether it's Giant Eagle or Aldi or whatever, and uh, just about every every section you're going to find uh, words or phrases like reduced fat. Uh, what's some more of them? Fat free, uh, low calorie. Um, one of the popular uh, diet words these days is light, spelt L-I-T-E, right? How many know what I'm talking about? That little word is applied to all kinds of products. You can buy light bread, you can buy light syrup, light butter, light mayonnaise, a lot of them. I mean, I keep expecting them to come out with light water, <laughs> right? But that little adjective is supposed to convey something to us, the idea that these light food items uh, have the same taste but are supposed to be less filling. Uh, in other words, consuming them won't add as much, as many pounds to our frame as the normal brand. And these products really are lighter because they have, are supposed to have fewer calories, fewer fat content, you know, and makes them fit into the current trend uh, these days, which is often mentioned, less is better. Say that, less is better. Um, and for me, I know when it comes to food, less is better. Um, but the problem with this is, how many know, um, I mentioned that this morning because uh, the less is better philosophy is not just in the grocery store aisles. How many know it's come over in the church aisles too? And uh, these days, a lot of folks seem to want less church. Uh, they want the same taste when it comes to the spiritual food that the church dishes out, but they want it to be less filling when it comes to their schedule. Um, and, and really, if you, if you look back at church history, just even for the last, last decade, uh, more and more churches are eliminating uh, services and, and Sunday school hour and, and uh, taking it out of the weekly schedule. More and more churches have taken Sunday night service out of their schedule. And I'm not condemning all the churches that have done that. Some have done that simply because um, they're not able to continue to. Uh, I have a dear friend, dear pastor friend, that has to cancel the Sunday night because they're just in that season where they cannot uh, have a Sunday night service due to uh, the support of the congregation. And so I, I understand, but, but I, do, I do think there comes a time in, in our generation that, how many know there has to be a line somewhere? How many agree with that? We're going to have to draw a line somewhere. And so um, 
This morning, I want us to be reminded for the next few minutes why, why we have times of corporate Bible study, like the Sunday school hour. Um, now, long before I even came to this church, uh, Broadway's had a good uh, Sunday school hour and uh, great teachers. I want all the Bible uh, Sunday school teachers, why don't you stand? We want to recognize you real quick here before we go on. Go ahead. All the Bible Sunday school teachers. Uh, we've got some still back there working in children's church. Now, if you've ever been a Sunday school teacher, I want you to stand. If you've ever been a Sunday school teacher, I want you to stand. Maybe you're not right now, but you have been in the past. Good. Good. Look at that. That's great. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Praise God. So I, I, um, I want us to see where the teaching of Scripture and Bible study is vital. It's still vital in 2023 to our spiritual health. Right? So I'm going to just share a few observations. We'll just lay out a few points. Number one. And we're going to talk about when Sunday school is done right, okay? When Sunday school is done right, number one, it becomes a great way to get involved in the life of your local church. I can think of no better way to become an integral part of a church family than by meeting together for a, a time of weekly Bible study. And if Sunday school is, is done right, it becomes a place where we can come and interact with people, study in the Word. And if Sunday school is done right, it's a place, um, I'll, I'll say it like this, where masks come off. Accountability is shared. Burdens are divided. Joys are multiplied. If Sunday school is done right, we get to know each other well enough to encourage each other. I know God's children need encouragement from time to time. When Sunday school is done right, we encourage each other to develop and use the gifts that God has given us. None of this can happen in a corporate worship service because we experience little or no interaction with other Christians when we just come in, we sit in a pew and sing some songs and listen to sermons. Not to say the worship service is not important. Hopefully you don't take that. But I, I was thinking this week, there's, there's two things we can't do alone, and that is be married and be a Christian. You can't do either of those alone, right? Well, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Well, I hope you do. But his thing includes others. And to grow as believers, we need interaction with other believers. Proverbs 27, 17, the wise men of Scripture wrote, and he's referring to this principle when he said, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And so we, we develop a, a depth of friendship and, 
that we can't just do by sitting next to someone in a worship service. That's the way Sunday school is supposed to work. Now, this morning, if, if you're not involved in a, in a Bible class, I encourage you, connect with one. Amen. Don't miss the opportunity of the benefits of what we've just shared. Because when done right, attending Sunday school is, it is more than worth the time that it costs us each week. Amen. The second reason we affirm Sunday school is because it's a powerful way to influence lives. How many know these days folks need positive biblical influencing? I mean, our present culture is, is constantly blasting us with lies and half-truths. We need a place where all this misinformation can be corrected. And how many know the best book to consult when it comes to counteracting the negative influence of our culture is the Bible? Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy 3.15, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God simply means God breathed it. It's profitable. The writer here, Paul, writing to young Timothy, said it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God or woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the best format of for Bible study is really small group settings like classrooms, Sunday school classrooms, where we can experience that setting and the teacher can actually impart influence. Because a Sunday school teacher has powerful influence, as Christ basically said in, I think it was the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 40. He said, basically, he said, a student is not above his teacher. But everyone who is fully trained, he said, will be like his teacher. How many know we have to pass the torch along? A teacher becomes the role model for his or her students. That's influence. I was reminded this week of an illustration, I think, that uh, displays this principle. Some of you may have heard of a man by the name of Edward Kimball. Uh, if you haven't, though, don't feel bad because he lived over 100 years ago. Uh, and his name does not appear in our history books that I know of, mainly because most historians would say that Mr. Kimball never did anything that was newsworthy. He was just a simple Sunday school teacher in Chicago who taught a class full of teenage boys. But one day he got a new student a country boy who didn't know the ways of the city or the ways of the church. And when he first came into Edward Kimball's class, uh, Sunday school teacher Kimball handed him a Bible and asked him to turn to the Gospel of John. But the, that country boy didn't know where to find the Gospel of John. And then uh, Mr. Kimball realized how little he knew, so he ignored the snickering of the other boys in the class and opened the Bible to the Gospel of John and handed it back. And when he asked the boys to take turns reading through the scripture, uh, this country boy always just kind of fumbled his way through. Uh, but 
uh, Sunday school teacher Kimball saw the possibilities in this young man, and he began to work with him. And after a few months, he goes down to the store where this boy is working and into the back room where he's stacking boxes and actually shares the gospel with him, leads Dwight to personal faith in Christ. That was the beginning of the ministry of Dwight L. Moody. One of our continent's greatest evangelists during the last century. But that's not the end of the story because you see, Dwight Moody was um, intentional and, and he grew in his ministry, became an international speaker that took him to places like the British Isles. And he was once preaching in a chapel that was pastored by a young man named Frederick Meyer. I have a few books of him in my library, F.D. Meyer. And in his sermon, Moody told the story about a certain Sunday school teacher that he had known who personally went to every student in his class and led each of them to Christ personally. That message changed F.B. Meyer's entire ministry, inspiring him to become an evangelist just like Moody. And over the years, Meyer comes to America several times to preach. Once when he was in Northfield, Massachusetts, a young preacher sitting in the back row heard F.B. Meyer say, quote, if you are not willing to give up everything for Christ, let me ask you this. Are you willing to be made willing? And that remark led J. Wilbur Chapman to respond to the call of God on his life. And J. Wilbur Chapman went on to become one of the most effective evangelists here in the States at his time. And he began to hold crusades throughout America. And a famous baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday volunteered to help set up J. Wilbur Chapman's crusades. And he soon found himself becoming a preacher by watching J. Wilbur Chapman. Billy Sunday eventually was past the ministry. Wilbur Chapman passed his ministry on to Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday became probably the best known evangelist of the 20th century. In the great arenas of our nation, God used Billy Sunday's ministry to turn thousands of people to the, to the Lord. Inspired by a 1924 Billy Sunday crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina, a committee of uh, businessmen, Christian businessmen, uh, became dedicated to reaching Charlotte, North Carolina for Christ. That committee invited evangelist Mordecai Ham to come and hold a series of evangelistic meetings there in 1932. And a 16-year-old in the crowd of that meeting one evening, spellbound by the message of Mordecai Ham gave his heart to the Lord that night at that meeting, and that guy was named Billy uh, Graham. And so he, Billy Graham, went on to communicate the gospel. Now I'm not saying we we share the same theology totally, 100% that Billy Graham did, but there is no doubt Billy Graham communicated the gospel to more people in history than any other man that's believed. And all of this started with the work of just a faithful Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball. Yeah. 
Somebody say, thank God for Sunday school. You see, Sunday school classes and teachers have the potential to make an amazing impact on eternity. They have a unique opportunity to disciple and influence people because they meet them one-on-one. They get to really know them and become part of their lives. This leads me to the third reason to affirm Sunday school, and that is because of the textbook we use. Isn't that a good reason? And I said it a moment ago, the, the textbook of, of Sunday school is the Bible, God's Word. It's a book that is different from any other book that has ever been written. Why? Because every word is God-breathed. In other words, unlike any other book, the Bible is God's text message to us. This is why studying it, Paul told Timothy, is profitable. Everybody say profitable. It's valuable. You're going to reap benefits. I'm going to reap benefits when we study this book. One author wrote and said, The Bible is no ordinary book, and so no Sunday school class session is an ordinary period of time. You see, when a Bible teacher reads the Bible, it's God that's speaking to us. When one takes this library of 66 books and, 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 and takes it into a classroom and begins to teach from it, he or she is dealing with the most unusual book in the world. The most unusual message in the world and is spending the most important time in the world. Because within the pages of this textbook right here is the truth that this world needs to hear. And that many people really long to hear. And so studying it together is the best use of our time. Because how many know the it is priceless? The wisdom of this book is priceless. Dr. Robert Gehring was practicing physician, professor at, uh, I believe it was Baylor, Baylor University Medical School in Texas. He is also an ex-alcoholic and drug, uh, drug addict, drug addict. And, and he gave his testimony one time, and I thought it interesting. And, and I, it rings so true. He said, and I quote, he said, I spent $22,000 on psychologists to no avail. But he said, I, find, I found all the help I needed in a $10 Bible. Isn't that beautiful? Like countless others, he discovered there is amazing power in the words of this book. And we teach from it every Sunday in Sunday school. Right? And Christ said in John 6, 63, the words that I give unto you, they are spirit. They are life. And even non-Christians. How many heard the name Gandhi? Non-Christians like Gandhi have discovered that principle because they said he patterned much of his life on the teachings of Christ directly from the Sermon on the Mount. 
It inspired his nonviolent approach that helped India gain independence. You see, although he was an unbeliever, Gandhi understood the power of Christ's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He once referred to the Bible and said, let me, let me share this quote with you. He said, you Christians have in your keeping a document with enough dynamite in it to blow the whole of civilization, civilization to bits, to turn society upside down, and, and look, to bring peace to a war-torn world. I thought Gandhi was correct there, wasn't he? Praise God. Somebody say, thank God for his word. Has anybody ever heard of the play called Christ in a Tuxedo? It was actually written in Russia before the Iron Curtain fell in atheistic Russia. They got together and produced this drama called Christ in a Tuxedo. And the purpose, the entire purpose of this play was to mock Christianity. And the opening scene showed a bar in a church building and a bunch of nuns standing around the bar, drinking and gambling. And the purpose of that scene was to degrade the church and to highlight the hypocrisy in the church. The actor, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, who was the lead character, was a Russian star performer. And in a Moscow theater... He was to walk onto the stage reading a few verses from Matthew chapter 5. That's how the play opened. The first act was he was to walk on stage, read a few verses, Matthew 5, Christ's Sermon on the Mount, and he was then to put the Bible down and begin to make fun of the verses. And they said one night as he performed that play, he entered, he began to read the selected passages from the Sermon on the Mount, but they said, strangely, that night, he didn't stop. They said he continued on and on and read and read. And, and he said later it was like an irresistible compulsion came over him. They said a quietness fell on all the other actors. A stillness falls over the, the crowd. Finally, with tears in his eyes, that actor raised his hands on that stage in communist Russia, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The Soviet Union never allowed that play to be presented again. They said he became a believer. Why? Because even in mockery, the word of God broke through the minds of the people, piercing even the dividing asunder. Why? Because it's powerful. Why not tap into this source of spiritual power just as often as we can, church? This is not a year to cut spiritual calories. 
it's a time to embrace more. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. One final thing I'd like to point out. We affirm Sunday school because it follows Christ's example fulfilling the Great Commission. You may not realize it, but our Lord referred to himself as a teacher, and he was given that title more than any other title while he was on earth. This was due to the fact that while he was here on earth, he spent more of his time teaching than he did any other activity. In fact, his ministry was a uh, teaching was a central part of his ministry. In other words, when Christ taught, he wasn't just biding time. He wasn't just killing time until it came time for him to die on the cross. No, he was fulfilling one of the main purposes of his life. You see, Christ didn't just come to die for us. He came to teach us how to live. Let me say that again. He didn't just come to die for us. He also came to teach us how to live. And the gospel writers, they are very clear about that. Matthew 7 tells us how he began his earthly ministry in the synagogue when it says the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority. And not as the scribes. And then remember the time in his ministry when the Pharisees, oh, I love this, this. I love reading this every time. The Pharisees wanted him arrested and they sent the temple guards to bring him in. And John's gospel records that instead of arresting him, those temple cops just listened to him. Later, when the Pharisees and the chief priests asked the temple police why Jesus was not arrested, they said, because never a man spake like this man. Praise God. Even those tough temple guards recognized the power and authority of Christ's teaching. So this was one of the main reasons our Lord came to earth. To teach us how to live. You, say, you see, since his followers learned that Jesus could be trusted as a teacher... After the cross and after the resurrection, they decided he could be trusted as a savior. And people would follow him and they would discover that he knew what he was talking about and that his teaching could be trusted and that led them to give him their lives. So Christ's teaching ministry is central to what he came to do. It was central then. How many know it's central now? And that means that when we teach the Bible, every hour of Sunday school, every week, we are simply following our master's footsteps. All right? When we minister in that way that he ministered, the Great Commission is being fulfilled. We are obeying his command. You remember, we read it in Matthew 28. Go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe or obey. Then he goes on to say, and lo, I am with you always. See, Sunday school fulfills, it's one area we fulfill the Great Commission. It really is the discipleship program of the church. It should be where discipleship takes place. 
If Sunday school people come, be taught the word of God, Sunday school should not, rep, should not resemble a morning worship service. It is rather a classroom where every member, young and old alike, are taught the Bible. You know what? I believe a moment a person gets saved, they should be connected to a Sunday school class. I believe that. So this morning, if your weekly schedule doesn't include taking that time to be in Sunday school, I'd encourage you, adjust your schedule this year, new year. It's a good time to make adjustments, isn't it? Take your Bible and say, I love your word, Lord. I love your word. Help me to realize it's more valuable than anything else I possess. Oh, wait a minute. I, I, I'm, I'm, my 401k is pretty valuable, Pastor. Not as valuable as this book right here. Sis Jones, if you can give me some closing music, I'll conclude. Kathleen Morris, excuse me, Norris, uh, she wrote a book called Amazing Grace, a Vocabulary of Faith. And she tells the story in that book, true story, of a rancher in South Dakota. He got married and he and his bride received a Bible as a wedding gift from his grandfather. And you know, like many uh, young marrieds, they, they'll sit down and they'll write out thank you notes. They wrote out a thank you note for the Bible. And then they went and put it in the closet on a shelf. As time passed, that grandfather, when he would see them, would ask him, how do you like that Bible? These newlyweds were a little confused in their response. They, they expressed their appreciation in a thank you note. Isn't that good enough? But the grandfather, he would always ask him, how's that Bible? And eventually, this guy, this, this young rancher, he went to the closet. He pulls the Bible out of the closet, and he just begins to leaf through it. And $20 bills started fluttering out. 66 $20 bills in all. The beginning of Genesis, another one at the start of each succeeding book. Because while the rancher had left a monetary treasure waiting to be discovered, he had also, church, he had left something more valuable than $20 bills. He had left spiritual riches untouched. And that was the point that he, he had made to him. All because he opened the book. There was more than physical riches available. There was spiritual ones.